Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Cyber and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Well, hey, welcome to Passion Purpose Podcast. Man, I hope you got to hear the last one with Amin Korzal. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> it was super. And uh, hey, I am just thrilled today again to be with Fadi Salim, my buddy, and the man behind the camera who works here uh, with us, shooting all things video, working with our comms team, loving Jesus with us. But as always, there's an incredible story behind the story in Fadi's life. And um, that's what this is all about, passion and purpose. How did you connect with God? How do you find God's purpose out of that? And kind of what's your story and what's your journey? And and even before we get started, Fadi, you know, I was just uh, thinking again about the power of testimony. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look back, we see God's faithfulness. It gives us strength uh, for today. Oh, yeah. And so that's, that's my hope, my prayer, as we share our hearts together, that people get strengthened by yeah. the grace of God. Come on. So... All right, Fadi, tell us who you are, tell us a little bit of family background, then take us into the story that I just get so stirred by about God's grace in your life. Sure. Yeah, so my name is Fadi, uh, 22, um, family of three. I'm not married. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, it's just my mom, sister, and I, and we, my mom is from Egypt. Uh, Dad was from Egypt, and uh, we were born in Lebanon. We were born in Beirut in 1999, January 17th, 1999. Mm. And, uh, yeah, the, the, I would say that the story starts in Egypt, though. I would say that uh, my, it, to, to preface, to say, I would say that my story is my family's story. Yeah, uh, right. That we are all connected in, in a really powerful way. So it's funny when people ask for my testimony. Mm. I have a testimony, but sure. I just feel like it is wrong to not add on the the. Yeah. the story of my family and, and what God has carried us through. And so. I just want to pause and make a point. You know, that's the beauty of Arab culture mm-hmm. and most other cultures beside the Western culture right. is that they don't see themselves just as individually. We're a part of we, sure. right? And and I think that's way more biblical. God oh, yeah. calls us the body of Christ, sure. not just an individualism. Right. So I just love that. I just want to pause and acknowledge <laughs> the grace of God there. Yeah. All right, so go ahead. So your story back in Egypt. Yeah, yeah. so mom grew up in Egypt, and uh, so did my dad. And uh, grew up Muslim, both of them grew up Muslim in Cairo. And they they both came from relatively poor families. Um, I would, I, I guess most people were poor in Egypt at the time and most people that she grew up around for the most part. And she, I remember, uh, this is su- such a significant part of our story because, and you'll learn why later, but my mom on her way to school every day, she'd walk, um, and on the way to school would be a church and she would stop at that church for communion. They would give her bread and, really? and juice. Yeah. Um, all throughout grade school, she would mm-hmm. stop by, um, and, um, I, don't, I don't know why it's so s- significant to me, but I remember it. And uh, she she said that she just felt peace being in there. Um, mm-hmm. She didn't tell her parents that she stopped by. Um, for the most part, her her family and her faith taught her to hate Christians. And, yeah, right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, mom grew up, uh, lost her parents at a young age. Uh, it was just her and her siblings. And so she she made the decision to move to Lebanon. 
and that's where she met my dad. She met my dad I, I, when she was 27, and um, so she's a young adult still, and she starts working for a movie company. She's a production assistant or something like that. And my dad was working there. Um, he ran the the uh, landscaping company for the production okay. company, and so they met. And that in that day and age, and in that religion, you you don't date; you just get married. Yeah, and so, right. uh, dad asked for my mom's hand in marriage. She said no multiple times, and she finally said yes. Um, and they uh, got married, um, got pregnant with my sister and I, and. So our, our birth date is coming around the corner. Dad is goes back to Egypt to uh, buy us a house, get papers ready for us to move back to Egypt okay. where they had grown up um, and has a heart attack, has a heart attack, um, pretty young age. And that was three days before we were born. And mm. um, so my mom goes into labor and has to do an emergency C-section. And then she slips into a coma for 10 days. Um, at, th- at that time, she only thought she was having my sister. Uh, I was actually so she didn't know she had twins? No. no. Wow. I was surprised. So I guess wow. Lebanese medicine wasn't up to date, but they were <laughs> wow. missing me. Um, and so they had the C-section. Uh, we came out healthy um, for the most part. And mom went into coma. And for 10 days, God started doing something. Um, and she woke up. Um, 10 days later, the nurse just thought they were seeing a ghost. Um, it was pretty incredible. Wow. Um, she, the only thing that she had to relearn was how to walk, uh, but no brain damage. And, um, so that's a miracle. And when my mom woke up, she was fully convinced and fully believed that Jesus Christ was the one who woke her up. Mm. And so she dedicated her life then and there and to him and then dedicated my sister and I to him. And some missionaries came, uh, to the hospital and, uh, that was a miracle in itself too. Um, they started helping my mom when, cause she couldn't be with us the whole time. And, mm. um, yeah, mom learned how to walk all that stuff. And she starts a daycare service with some of those missionaries actually. Um, and then she actually gets connected with the United Nations, uh, through the help of these missionaries. And, uh, we file for refugee status. Um, and then we get selected for the United States and, uh, what was another miracle is, you know, this is just a bunch of miracles all sure, at one, was yeah. we were selected for the United States three weeks after 9-11 and mm. um, to come from a Middle Eastern country into, nine, into the United States uh, soon after 9-11 is a very hard thing to do. Let, let me pause here. So, again, just a bit of review. <laughs> we're just talking yeah. like normal <laughs> life's going on. But um, mom doesn't know she's having twins. Her husband dies, uh, goes into a coma has some experience with Jesus yes. somehow. Did, would, how would she describe that? Would she just say, I just knew that Jesus was God or she'd had an experience in her coma? So she, what followed after her waking up were dreams. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I, her initial response when she woke up was that it was Jesus. I don't okay. know if she remembered anything from the coma, Okay, uh, but I would say that she was she was convinced that it was Jesus waking up and then he would meet her in dreams soon after hmm. um, and she she would be a better person to explain what that experience was like but growing up that's how I remember her telling the story and um, so I don't know if you can have a dream when you're in coma but if anyone can do it it's God so. well I think God can break into literally dead people's lives yep. and raise them from the that dead you know yeah. uh, and and obviously that that happened yes right 
in that moment for your mom. Okay, so supernaturally, missionaries are engaged. And again, we we just talked last week with uh, our friend Amin and just the power of missionaries, just caring for uh, a a lady that's had kids and is in shock and doesn't know what's going on. God provides people. And I I love that because though this is dramatic, you know, they were in Beirut, Lebanon, and they began to care for you guys. Every day, right? We're all if we're on mission with Jesus, yeah. He's trying to connect us yeah. to people that need encouragement, yeah. strength, help, or whatever. Right. So you get this refugee status supernaturally. You're head of the United States. So yeah. kind of pick it up for us. Yeah. It's right after 9/11. Yeah. You're one years old. You and Nora, and yeah. you guys are headed with mom to the United States. Right. So where do you land and take us from there? Yeah. So we uh, we land in Seattle, Washington. Um, we so the missionary that my mom was closest to um, there's a group of them there's a lot of missionaries who were willing to help my mom yeah. the one that she was closest to her name was Sharon and she um, was a part of a church in Seattle and okay. that's where we got connected that's where we got plugged in mom got a job at Goodwill and wow. uh, these missionaries from these churches literally people from the church were taking turns just watching us for free wow and uh, wow you know even even to take it back when we were in, in Lebanon and I'm saying this because you were mentioning the missionaries. If my mom had a thought of something that we needed, a missionary would walk through the door with what we needed. Whoa. It's wow. incredible. She wow. And she she can tell you, she'll say, man, the kids really need socks. And she'll get a phone call from, we called her Mommy Sharon. Um, Mommy Sharon, hey, I have some socks. You think the kids need them? Wow. And a need was met. Um, but it, wouldn't, it wasn't even a prayer. It was a thought. Mm. Um, and God meets us there. And so... Yeah, so taking turns, taking care of us in, in Seattle. And then I get sick. Uh, I end up getting sick in Seattle, and the doctors are just recommending that I move to a milder climate. And so that's what that's what we did. Uh, I think there was a lot of prayer involved in that. And um, there was a church in Waco called Meadowbrook Baptist Church okay. that a yeah. lot of people were a part of or are new people from. And so we made the decision to move to Waco. And we moved That's to Waco awesome. in 2003. Uh huh. Still babies, and we—I remember—we lived in uh, a motel. We lived in a motel for a few months. It was a pink one, um, over by uh, where the new University High School is. Now. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And, and it's a yellow build. It's a yellow yeah. building now. But, right. Yes. Uh, we lived there for uh, a couple months. For my mom, got her first job, um, okay. Chick Fil A. All right. And all of this is happening through the help of. Meadowbrook Baptist Church and the people there. Uh-huh. Someone helped her. We ended up getting an apartment through the help of the church. Furniture was literally given to us um, okay. through the church. Way and, to go, Brooke. Um, yeah, and someone co-signed a car for my mom. And so she starts working. And and that's how our life in the United States really, that's how I remember it starting. Uh, wow. We, living, in the university, uni, living in the motel, mom walked to work to getting a car, getting an apartment complex, and then starting our life in the United States is really what I f- remember. And uh, So obviously, man, we're just talking about the hand of God yeah. uh, through his people and through the church. Yeah. And just a shout out to Meadowbrook Baptist and yeah. all that they have done <laughs> for your family. They are dear friends, and we are proud of them and just part of proud to be a part of the body of Christ when yeah. we hear a story like this, right? Um, so for you, though, Fadi, Personally, of course, you grew up in this faith-rich environment. Sure. Mom's just got stories to last a lifetime uh, of God's faithfulness. 
Um, so where where does it kind of start turning for you? Who starts investing in you personally? Mm-hmm. Where does that turn into you kind of finding Jesus yourself? And, sure. And now as we sit here today, kind of your own purpose. Yeah, yeah. I would say that there were many men who invested in my life. Yeah. Um, and probably too many to name, but I think God has been really faithful to give me fathers and the, mm. the absence of one. Yeah. Um, and so the one person in particular was Ron Madeira. And he started investing in my life uh, probably eighth grade um, Mm -hmm. is when I remember him really stepping in. My mom had a mentor who knew him Mm -hmm. um, and his wife and so connected the two of us. And he taught me anything from plumbing to chopping down trees and splitting (laughs) wood. And um, we he really poured into my life. And I would say that I growing up in in a Christian home. There was a there was a neatness that I felt like I had to keep right, mm. and so in high school, uh, was living a double life, mm-hmm. doing the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, walked in sin, real sin, you know. And um, it wasn't until my freshman year of college mm-hmm. where I um, really needed God mm-hmm. uh, because my sin left left me empty. Yeah, um, right. left me empty, and so I got plugged in. Uh, we start we actually started coming to Antioch about 10 years ago in the eighth grade, actually, yeah. uh, okay. seventh or eighth grade, we started doing, sorry, sixth grade is when we started, did middle school ministry, sure. and then was here and there with high school stuff, and then sure. stepped out. And in my freshman year, I was at Baylor, uh, jumped in with the college ministry, went um, to uh, the the mission, it wasn't a mission trip, but just response to the Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. And that's okay. when I got plugged in. Oh, really? It's Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. It, you know, it's amazing. We're just talking about so many different ways. When the church is just being the church, there's so many different connection points. Yeah. And you never know who's never connecting know. or why they're connecting yeah. or what they're connecting. Right. Well, hey, we were just talking before this interview, and you talked about uh, an encounter you had at Awaken yeah. your freshman year. And tell us about that experience, and let's just sure. carry it forward to the last few days. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, so freshman year at Awaken. Uh, that's when I was super plugged in, and the trip was awesome. Uh, I don't, I don't feel like that's our short-term spring break trip right. for students. Okay, so right. here you go, go for yeah. it. Yeah, and so it was awesome. Got to serve people and really loved being a part of community and really felt on fire for God. But I didn't really feel like God was saying anything specifically to me during the trip. And at the end of the trip, um, Gracie came approached me, who was a section leader at the time. Uh, we were actually unloading the bus, and she gives me a prophetic word uh, that. Uh, I would be a father to many, and she gave me unpacked a really powerful word, and I took that, but I didn't think much of it. I'm a kid, you know. I'm yeah, just like, sure. I'm ready to go home. Yeah. Um, and a year and a half later, she stops me in the lobby, and she she reminds me. Uh-huh. She reminds me a year and a half when I had forgotten of the word, and um, so fast forward to a couple days ago, a couple friends and I were on our way to about to leave for Chicago and I'm sitting outside of uh, my mom's doctor's office because she's going to a doctor's appointment get a phone call from a friend uh, Gabby and she was just like hey Fadi I just have like this really big word and I want you to take it pray about it Um, don't know if it's fully formed yet but I just want you to you know pray into it and same word father of many promise of Abraham you know really rich good things that the Lord has promised for a lot of people yeah of uh, course sure Um, but specifically for me in the season and so i took it i'm like super impacted by god i remember those encounters with gracie those conversations Mm -hmm. and then we get to chicago 
And it was the day after we landed, we're having breakfast with a friend of mine. Her name is Lexi and her parents. Her, her mom's a pharmacist and her dad is a full-time intercessor. And he's praying for us and just unpacks, unpacks this word that affirms everything that had been spoken to over the last mm. four years mm. to me. And uh, at that point, I knew God was shouting. So when I was sitting in discipleship a couple, uh, yesterday actually, um, where I was answering a question of when did you start taking Jesus seriously? And I was like, well, 12 days ago. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I've been taking him seriously since freshman year of college, but I really feel like he's been shouting at me the last few days. So, mm. yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, so uh, isn't that awesome, right? So you're the firstborn son, you're the onlyborn son, and in Egyptian culture or uh, in Lebanese culture as well, that is that is the one who uh, gets the inheritance but also gets the responsibility. Sure. It's that, that dual thing. Yeah. I mean, talked about it yeah. a little bit last week, right? It's the responsibility and the calling and then uh, then gets the blessing, if you will, to go with it. Right. And, um, you know, when we talk a lot about purpose, you know, you're trying to say, all right, you're a very gifted guy. You're gifted creatively. You do videography. You yeah. disciple people. You know how to chop wood. Uh, <laughs> right, Ramadera? Right. You know how to fix things. You're a bright guy, graduated from college. You got all these things going for you. Uh, but I, I love that God's defining your purpose around fathering. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, when I was when I was uh, around your age, um, I, you know, I've had the privilege of having different people mentor me, but never one person in particular it was just kind of off and on. And I said, God, why doesn't one person just invest in me? Yeah. And, and God spoke to me and said, I'll bring you many fathers, but it's because I've called you to be a father. Wow. Start acting like one now. Wow. So That's at solid. around 22, I said, okay. Uh, I'm going to always be looking to honoring uh, older men and looking for investment, and I can do this. Yeah. Right? Wow. I can be a father now. Wow. And so my purpose, though I've had many assignments yeah. and different jobs right. and different ways to use my gifts, my my purpose was solidified around this fathering word. So good. So I love that for you. You know, as a 22-year-old man, we obviously all see the hand of God. You see the hand of God right. sovereignly in your life. Sure. But there is a, there's a call to young men to be fathers, right. even as you're looking for fathers. Right. And uh, I, I just love that, love that promise. So, uh, Fadi, just to wrap up today, we're talking about finding your purpose and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So just to those listening, young, old, or anything else, give us just what do you, if somebody just said, put in a couple of sentences what Jesus means to me and how I find purpose mm -hmm. from my relationship with him. Just give it a shot. What do you got? Yeah. Wow. I would say that Jesus, to me, has been the ultimate father in my life, and I think that's clear. Um, but I would say that he is the best guide for this life. Mm. Um, and the only thing that can ever satisfy, truly. Yeah. Um, I've tested it, mm. and he's allowed me to do that. So I would say that, um, yeah, I would say that God is the only thing in this world that will ever satisfy. Mm. And it's only through the blood of Christ. Uh, I, I don't think, I think, I even think about my last four four years in college, I've thought of every logical reason why God can't exist, mm -hmm. and He's shown me every single time logically how He does. Mm. Um, and in that, I that's when you surrender everything. And mm. and I think for me, that's who Jesus is. He mm. He's the one that you want to surrender to. Mm. Uh, I love it. And so, 
purpose is found in being in him um, and, and finding fullness in him and not looking around to all the other distractions because this world will do that. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and he's There's a good. lot of stuff out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's good to remind us of who we are when we abide in him. So, Woo! I love that. I'm stirred, man. <laughs> Come on. So, hey, everybody listen. Let's just pray. Just wherever you are right now, yeah. just close your eyes, open your hands, and we just want to speak God's promise into your heart. Lord, I Come pray on. for everybody listening right now. May they encounter you, your goodness, your love, your faithfulness, your proven track record of grace and pursuit, even where we have tested you, God. We just ask, pray pray that everyone receive forgiveness and grace and mercy right now. And out of that, again, Lord, would you fill us with the knowledge of your will and all Mm -hmm. wisdom and understanding that we may have a walk worthy of you, perfectly pleasing you in every good work. Just fill us with the knowledge of your will so that out of our relationship with you, we might be empowered for our purpose here on earth Mm -hmm. to glorify you and all the multi-giftings and multi-callings that are out there. I pray you'd solidify every heart to be grounded and anchored in you Mm -hmm. so that your purposes are fulfilled through our lives. Mm -hmm. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Keep tracking with us. 40 Days of Purpose and Passion for Jesus. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time. <laughs>